say just good morning. And uh, if you're new here, my name is Wayne. I'm the lead pastor here at the Mustard Seed Church. And uh, man, I just want to say I absolutely just love church. I have to say it's probably one of my favorite days of the week. It's good to see everybody walking in and being able to fist bump and high five and hug and all that good stuff. So this is really, I mean, you are my family. And so uh, I just want to say it's good to worship together. It's good to just to be here this morning. And I absolutely love church. So thanks for being here. And uh, we hope and pray that today is meaningful to you and that it speaks to you. It's definitely one of the highlights of my week. So. We're going to continue in our sermon series today on doing what Jesus did. And uh, this morning, we're looking at the practice of evangelism and sharing our faith. How many are you pumped about that? Wow, there's more hands than I thought. (laughs) The practice of evangelism. You know, for some of us, there's a tension that we can feel when it comes to evangelism and sharing our faith. Uh, Maybe we're afraid or maybe we don't know what to say. Maybe we're afraid of being rejected or looking foolish. Uh, I know for me there was a moment that I can specifically remember in Durango. Uh, I I went downtown Durango and I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to walk around and I'm going to approach people. And I'm going to be like, yo, can I pray for you? And uh, and then I'm going to share Jesus with them. And I'm like, kind of... If I'm just being honest, kind of like hyping myself up a little bit, you know, I'm like, we're about to do this, you know. And so I go downtown Durango and I'm walking around and I see one person coming and I'm like, oh, that's he's the one. He's the one. He doesn't even know he's walking towards me. He doesn't even know it's about to hit him, you know. And as I'm getting closer and closer to him, I get like more and more nervous and then I'm like, what am I going to say? And then before you know it, he passes me and I pass him. And I'm like, you know what? The next one. I'm going to get the next one. And then the next one's coming. I'm like, all right, she's about to get it. She's about to get prayed for. She's about to hear about Jesus. And as we get closer, I'm like, oh, gosh, what if, what if somebody sees me? What if she says no? And then I go past her. And I mean, it was like 10 people in a row. I just walked right past. You know, it was like. Oh, they're about to get it. I'm about to pray. We're about to share Jesus. And then I just walk right past them, you know. And I think that's a good picture, honestly. Maybe that's just me. But I think that's a good picture of sort of how we feel when it comes to sharing our faith. Uh, There was an article that I read about why people don't share their faith. And they gave four reasons. It says, the first one is, I'm afraid they'll ask questions I can't answer. How many of you feel that? Somebody's going to ask a question about... You share your faith and then ask a question and you're like, uh, I I don't know what that answer is. So the first one is, I'm afraid they'll ask a question they won't answer. The second one is, I struggle with my own faith. So it's hard for you to share, even share your faith because you are maybe even wrestling with your faith or struggling with your own faith. The third one is, I've never learned how. And the fourth one is, is I don't know how to start a conversation. That's probably some introverts out there. If I'm just being honest, you're like, well, how do I even begin this thing? What do, what do I even do, you know? And so I was wondering, gosh, can you relate to some of those tensions when it comes to sharing your faith? Maybe some of the fear, some of the nervousness. Maybe you are even here wrestling with your own faith this morning. And so this creates some tensions and emotions that we can feel around that. There is a quote that we have on the screen. Her name is Rebecca McLaughlin. And she's a Christian author and she holds a PhD from Cambridge University. And she says this. She said, if being ready to share your faith means having a Christian life altogether, 
I'm not ready. If it means not being fearful, I'm not ready. If it means having all the answers, I'm not ready. On the other hand, anybody who knows Jesus and has the gospel is ready to share. You can clap. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. That's powerful. Because what it does is she's painting this picture of like, gosh, we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to get in some place to where we're just overcome with boldness to be able to share. She's like, just knowing Jesus and knowing the gospel, you're ready to share. But this is the reality that we are faced with today. The reality of it is, is that you and me are in here this morning because somebody shared Jesus with us. Can we agree with that? You and me are here this morning because somebody shared Jesus with us. Maybe it was your pastor or your family if you grew up in a church home. Maybe it was your mom or dad uh, or a friend or a co-worker. I know for me it was a co-worker. But the reality of it is, is that we're all here today because somebody said yes to getting out of their comfort zone and sharing Jesus with us. Think about that. We're here today because somebody shared Jesus with us. And if we're being honest, this same invitation, this same call from Jesus is for me and for you today. And so what we're going to do this morning is just look at that a little bit. Now, when it comes to evangelism, gosh, there's all kind of things you could talk about with evangelism, right? You can go down the Roman road. If you know what that is, then you get what I'm saying. But you can go down the Roman road. You can pass out little tracks. One of the things that probably frustrated me the most when I was working in the oil and gas refineries, I had this guy come up to me. He's like, hey, man, I want to bless you. And I'm, and I'm not a believer, right? I'm working in oil and gas. He said, man, I want to bless you. I was like, all right, what you thinking? And he gives me a $100 bill. He's like, man, it's yours. I just want to bless you. And I was like, whoa, bro, thank you, you know? And I'm working nights in oil and gas, so I'm probably sleepy, and I put it in my pocket. And I get home, I'm like, babe. I tell my wife, this guy gave me a $100 bill. And I open it up, and it's a track with, like, all this gospel stuff on it. And a man, can I, I can't say that. It made me mad. <laughs> I'm like, this dude lied to me. You know, I thought he was going to bless me. You know what I'm saying? But there's all kind of approaches that we can take with evangelism, right? So today, what we're going to do is just look at one of those approaches, which I feel here in this community and in this valley is probably our best approach, okay? So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 35. And would you stand with me as we read the word? Let's pray real quick before we read. Father, we just come before you. We are thankful for your word. We humble ourselves before you uh, that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, that each one of us in here in this moment, we place your word over us. We place ourselves under your word. Would you speak to us this morning? In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Stay standing with me. John chapter 1 verse 35. The next day... John was there again with his, two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. 
Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So just a couple of things I want to highlight for you this morning from this story and how it relates to evangelism. The first point that we have is that we are invited to come and see. And we will have it on the screen. We are invited to come and see. As we read this story, you probably heard that the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus and Jesus said, he said to them, come and you will see when he's talking to Andrew and the other disciple, John's disciple. And it says the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, hey, follow me. So here in this story, what we have Jesus doing is inviting people to come and to be relationship with him. He says to Andrew and the, the other disciple, he says, hey, come and see. You want to know where I'm staying? Come and see. He finds Philip and he says, hey, you come and follow me. And what we have here, what we're seeing here is the very heart of God on display. And that is the heart of invitation. The heart of invitation. All the way back in the beginning of the scriptures, there is this invitation heart from God. If you go all the way to the beginning, you see God in this invitation relationship with Adam and Eve in this covenant relationship in the garden. If you read about Abraham, God makes this unconditional covenant with Abraham, this invitation for him to be his God and Abraham to be his people. As we continue to move through the scriptures, there's this invitation from God to the entire nation of Israel into this covenant relationship in Mount Sinai, in the wilderness when they flee from Egypt. There's this invitation to be God's people and for God to be their God. And what we see here in Jesus is the very heart of God, the very nature of God of inviting Philip and inviting Andrew into this relationship and saying, follow me. It's this great picture of this invitation heart of God found in scripture. And uh, it's this parable that's called the wedding banquet. It's this great picture of the heart of God. And it's in Matthew chapter 22, uh, verse 1. And it says this, it says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Now we're going to pause right here. I want you, 
Jesus is explaining to everybody what the kingdom of heaven is like. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a king preparing a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. We'll jump forward to verse 8. Then he said to, nope, go back. Yep. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Verse 9. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. Verse 10. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. The wedding hall was filled with guests. We see here that he is describing the kingdom of heaven as this big party. It's this wedding banquet. It's this big party. And he says all people are invited. Go out into the streets, the bad as well as the good, and invite them to the wedding banquet. Some say yes to the invitation and some say no to the invitation. But what we see here is the very heart of God. And if you're here today, I want to say this, I want to pause and say this, that if you're here today, maybe even for your own self, trying to figure out who this Jesus guy is that we sing about and that we talk about. Or if you're here today and maybe you've wandered away from God and you're, you're on this journey of maybe trying to come back to God and back into this relationship. Can I say this this morning, that I believe that you are here today in this moment because you are hearing this invitational call from God. You are feeling this invitational call from God to come back to Him. To come back to this relationship. It's the very heart and it's the very nature of God. And my encouragement to you this morning is that would you say yes to the invitation? If that's you this morning, that you're trying to figure out who Jesus is, or maybe you've wandered away from God and you're trying to find your way back, or you're trying to begin the journey of coming back, would you say yes to the invitation? It's his very heart. It's his very nature that we're invited to come and to see. And if that's you, if this morning you're like, you know what, Wayne? Man, when you said that, that really spoke to me. Would you do this? Would you write down maybe on one of those cards or get with me and say, Wayne, I want to say yes. Because what we're going to do is as we move further into the summer, you know, when the summertime comes, we love to do baptisms down at the river. And so we're going to have some baptisms coming up that we're planning for and a big party down at the river. Because if God likes to party, we want to party. Amen. Right? So we're going to have a big party down at the river. We're going to do some baptisms and all that good stuff. And so if you're here this morning, you say, Wayne, I would like to say yes to this invitational call. Would you either fill one of these out, okay, or just come with me, come see me personally and say, Wayne, I'd like to say yes. And I'd love to be able to pray for you because I think you're saying yes to the invitation that you're feeling right now from the Lord. So the first point is we're invited to come and see. And then the second point is is that we then invite to come and see. So we're invited to come and see, and then we invite to come and see. We see in this passage that Andrew, right, goes and gets Simon Peter. It actually says, this is the first thing that he did. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. So Andrew has this encounter with Jesus, and he says, you know what? 
I'm going to go get somebody and I'm going to bring them back to you. They need to meet you, right? As we move on through the story, we see Philip going to get Nathaniel. It says that Philip found Nathaniel and said, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. We're invited to come and see, and then we invite to come and see. Now, an interesting thing that is happening in this passage is worth highlighting. It's all kind of like theological, and you get into all kind of rabbinic writings and all that kind of stuff. But in this passage, what we see happening is that Philip is having this encounter with Jesus. Philip comes to Nathanael and says, we have found the one whom Moses said for us to look for. The prophet, the one that the prophets talked about. In this, in this encounter with Philip and Jesus, it propels Philip to go tell Nathaniel to come and see. Now where this passage is coming from, the, the, the one whom Moses talked about, it goes all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18. We'll actually have it on the screen for you. Chapter 18 verse 15, it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. By the way, this is Moses speaking to the people of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. He's telling them this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore or we will die. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. Verse 18. I will raise up for, for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. And I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. This is what Philip is referencing in this text when he says, we have found the one who Moses in the law said who's going to come and be like him and who the prophets talk about. This is what... Philip is referencing here. And I believe that what, what's happening here is that there's, uh, I've read some Jewish rabbinic writings like the Mid, Mid, Midrash or whatever it's called and all this kind of stuff. And what the Jewish writers believe is that the same way that Moses came and brought the people out of, from Israel out of bondage and captivity, the prophet who was to come will bring the whole world out of bondage and captivity. That's what they were waiting for. The same way Moses brought the people of Israel out of bondage and captivity, the prophet to come will bring the whole world out of bondage and captivity. They related this prophet to be the Messiah. The same way that Moses brought the people out of slavery to worship God in the wilderness, the prophet to come will bring the whole world out of slavery to worship God. And Philip is showing up and saying, hey, we have found the one. Something has happened here with Philip and Jesus that has totally impacted his life. As we look through the New Testament, we see this same claim made about Jesus in terms of being the prophet. The first one is in John 16. It says, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. The next one is in John chapter 7, verse 40. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. 
There's been this entire expectation with the people of God that one day this prophet would come and he would uh, set free God's people from bondage and captivity and slavery and be able to worship God. And Philip says, man, we have found him. The one who Moses talked about. This is our Jesus. So whatever has happened between Jesus and Philip, it's pretty clear that it's had a major impact on Philip. And what this does is it caused Philip to then run to Nathaniel and say, man, you have to come and see. See, what Philip is doing now is he's bringing to Nathaniel his testimony. He, Philip is bringing to Nathaniel his witness. Philip is bringing to Nathaniel his personal encounter with Jesus. He's bringing to Nathaniel his own experience. And Philip is saying, Nathaniel, you have to come and see. And can I say that this morning? This same is true for me and for you. We need to be able to share our testimonies with others. We need to be able to share our own personal encounters with others. And can I just pause today and just say that your testimony matters. Can you receive that? Your testimony matters. Your personal encounter with Jesus matters. Your story matters. See, for a lot of us, we think, man, my testimony's not as powerful or it's not as meaningful. I grew up in a Christian home, and yes, I've had these encounters with Jesus along the way, but it's not like somebody else's testimony. Your testimony matters, and your story matters. And I think what we see here with Philip. And Nathaniel is there's not this call to like um, say the right prayer, right? There's not this call to even fill out a connect card. Does anybody see that in there? No. There's just this invitation from Philip to say, man, I've had this encounter with Jesus. Would you come and see? He's not trying to get him saved. He's not trying to convince him. He just says, man, would you come and see? I've had this encounter. This is my testimony. Would you come and see? And I believe this is uh, for you and for me today, that our testimonies matter. Our stories matter. And a good, a good picture of our, our testimony this morning, I wanted actually somebody to come up here and share their testimony. And so I called uh, Kurt Lincoln and asked him, I said, man, would you come and share your story? Because some of you, a lot of you know Kurt Lincoln's story, but some of you don't. And I think it's just a beautiful picture of uh, God inviting him in and then later on, Kurt inviting others in. So Kurt, would you come up and uh, come share your testimony with us? Thank you. Can we give Kurt a hand now? Good morning. I'm like a little nervous this morning for some reason. When he called my name, I was like, so let's just breathe. Yes. Um, so the message of Jesus um, is like medicine to somebody's soul. Okay? So just remember that. 
the gospel message, the message of Jesus, um, is medicine to a world that's tired and weary, right? If you've experienced any life, there's, there's just things that you encounter in life that are heavy, right? Disappointments, heartaches, you can kind of go on and on. And what we have, and what I'm going to talk to you about, how what I experienced was somebody brought me something that I needed to hear, but they didn't really know me that well. But God did, and he used them, and it worked. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm going to give you three timelines, okay? Uh, I'm going to go back to 1992, okay? Yep, so I was a young man. And I was at Palisade High School, and I was searching for just a fun, exciting time, right? But really, I was looking for significance in life, okay? But I wouldn't have known how to say that. I wouldn't have the maturity how to say that. But um, So I I would get these invitations from my uh, friends and older brother and his friends to go to this thing called Young Life. And so I would go... And really, I was just having fun. But every time the, the, a leader would stand up and they would give like a short talk about Jesus. And I was, I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of good for those guys and stuff, but I'm really just here for the fun. But I do remember a couple times um, in that four years that I was at Palisade High School where what, what the leader said when they were talking, it just really just rung inside of my soul. I can't remember what they said now, but I remember the feeling. I remember the feeling that I had, and really that was the Holy Spirit kind of tapping on me. Okay, fast forward a couple years. This was in the year 1998. 20 years old, and I was on a search for significance still in my life. I thought that there was more to life. I had that feeling there's got to be more. There's got to be some kind of purpose on my life. And I would not have been able to say it in those words at the time, but that's what I was feeling. I was really searching for significance. I was um, living the dream. You know, I was being a ski bum. I was d- doing all the things that I thought that would fill my fill me up. Um, I, anytime somebody asked me how I was doing, I'd be like, on top of the world, you know, best Best life, best ever, best, 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 best. But really, if I was quiet, alone, and if I asked myself that question, you know, on the outside it looked great, but on the inside I was really dying because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know my significance outside of my, like, perceived life performance. And so... Um, I went to, I was on a year, year-long year winter, um, I was in New Zealand, uh, with all my best friends, and we were like all living in this house together, and there was eight guys in a three-bedroom house, and there was like three Australian guys, a Canadian guy, and then us uh, American guys, there's four of us, and um, we, uh, the funny thing is that the Australians were our landlords, they were subleasing, and they were paying all their rent. From us, they kind of were like, they had it. They had it worked out, and so there's a little bit of tension in the room, you know. Like with the Australians, were just like, and we were barely making it, you know, so poor, living on beans and rice, 
and we weren't, you could, we couldn't even afford meat, you know? And it was like a, a meager existence, but, but everything was great, right? And we were crushing it and loving it, right? On the outside. But there was the, uh, the Canadian guy, his name was Mike Groot, and this is live on the internet, so if Mike Groot, if you're out there somewhere, God bless you and thank you in the name of Jesus. Um, but Mike was different than everybody else in that household. Mike, um, I saw something in him and I couldn't put my thumb on it. Um, and I kind of soon came to find out what that was, but that Mike was doing like what Wayne was just talking about. It was He was telling everybody in that house to come and see. He really was. He was inviting people to church. He was going to this Bible study. He, he didn't... Um, uh, participate in any of like the crass humor and stuff. He was kind of, he was different, but he was super graceful about it. Um, he, uh, he would get poked at the guys would be the, is the Australian guys. And actually I cut a couple of my American friends, but I was, I was just watching him and he, they would say little, little comments toward him. Just, just poking the guy all the time. And he would, re- he would never respond in a way that your natural emotions would lead you towards. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, was, he, he had something else. And I could just tell. And I really, really was drawn towards him. And so one day I, I, I was like, hey, I, I want to I wanna go with you. He was constantly inviting us to church, constantly inviting us to these Bible studies. And so I went to church with him. And it was in a, it was like, I think it was in like a school auditorium or something like that. It was like a startup church, you know, and um, I, I went and Mike was a greeter and he was like very involved in the church and he knew everybody and it was, just, it, it was like kind of a neat community, kind of a feel. And that was the first time that I had ever really seen that kind of community. Um, I grew up in community, you know, like, but it's a lot different in the kingdom of God because you can be on the other side of the world and experience that depth and I was starting to see this and then I was like hey I want to go to that Bible study with you so we went to that Bible study with him and it was the first time as a group of young adults it was the first time I've ever seen people be vulnerable and there was a prayer request time and I still remember this is there was a, a young lady and um, she it was she was crying and really like bearing her heart in front of the group, and I was like, I've never seen somebody be that vulnerable with strangers before, and it but it was beautiful though. There was something about it that really spoke to me. And then the next day we we would hitchhike up to um, the ski resort. Like we didn't have cars, you know. We and there was a bunch of us, and so we didn't stack it. You know, so you would just like send like a couple people out and then wait until, you know, because if you stacked it up, nobody would stop. And so this time we had this all figured out. And then this time I I hitchhiked with Mike and he was and uh, we were talking and stuff. And then um, on the way home that night, he he stopped off and at this bookstore and he bought me a Bible and it was like 10 bucks. And I was like, what? Why did you do that? That was the dumbest thing you could have ever done. We could have gotten meat and ice cream and like, we don't have any food. And he, and he signed it off to me and I was just thinking like, 
you can't return it now, you wrote in it, you know, like, what are you doing? And it really spoke to me. And, and what I want to talk to you about and just say in my story is it wasn't that one time. It wasn't that one, like, you know, Wayne's getting nervous walking about the street, you know, and, and worried. Like, we all should have a little fear in us, you know, about sharing something that's so holy, you know, which is true. But th- what I want to say is that is important is having this thing called gospel fluency, where it just kind of accidentally spills out all the time. And it's just part of who you are and it's part of who you do. Because for me, it was so many touches, so many touches, so many touches, so many touches. And then around that same time in my life, I was talking to my grandpa, Grandpa Lincoln and uh, Grandpa Warren, we called him. And he was talking to me and I was telling him about how I'm I'm tensioning between the Indians had it right, Grandpa. They were so peaceful until all of us came over here and screwed it all up, you know. And, and the reality of it was that that's a fantasy because they were also killing each other and having wars with each other and, you know, fighting over territory and stuff. So it was like, you know. And there's all kinds of things that people think. And this is kind of what I'm trying to say is that for me, I was struggling with different worldview tensions and stuff. And in our day, there's a lot of people that are just struggling with those similar things you know it just looks a little bit different but this whole idea about um come and see um and frequency it's not like you're just going to go show up be the star of the show and boom tell them the story and they're going to come running right it takes a kingdom you know it take you know it takes a village you know it takes a kingdom and all of us have a role in it okay fast forward here uh, my best friend, uh, my best friend, childhood friend, his name's Stephen Wallace. And Stephen, if you're out there listening, God bless you and thank you so much for being faithful. But he was my annoying Christian friend. <laughs> and so Stephen, when I got home um, from this whole experience in, in New Zealand and talking to my grandpa and all this stuff, he had broken, um, it was right when the First Street skate park got built it was like brand new we had this really cool fun skate park and we were going there all the time and it was like an eight foot deep bowl like concrete and it was huge and we were all doing that all the time and Stephen successfully had broken both wrists at two separate occasions within a week and then somebody was making fun of him and he got in a fight and he got his wire he got his mouth wired shut and so he was having his he's 20 and his mom was having to give him baths Hit, mm, yeah. His his mom was having to f- make his food and feed him through a straw, like smoothies, you know. He was humbled, and um, and so he, so all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he starts talking to me about Jesus, and I'm like, "What's your problem? I thought that you were me and you were good, you know. Like, why are you doing this right now?" And he was coming from a perspective of, he had a very serious um, uh, demeanor about him. Like he kind of turned, turned serious. Have you guys ever had anybody like that in your life? Or maybe have you ever done that to anybody? Or... So he turned serious on me and all of a sudden I was like, whoa, dude, where are you coming from? Like, come on, are we okay? You know? And then after a while, he wouldn't let it go. And, and he was 
citing scripture to me, and I couldn't, I couldn't refute the scriptures that he was saying because there was something piercing about the word of God inside of me. And it took, it took all these other experiences prior, you know? But really what happened was, is he was, he was my annoying Christian friend who wouldn't let it go. And maybe you need to be that for somebody, you know? And he kept saying this to me. All you got to do is just invite him into your heart. And I'm like, what do you mean? There's got to be more to it than that. It's got to be like a ceremony and like fireworks afterwards and stuff. And he's like, no, you can, all you got to do, he's, he's, he opened up his Bible. He was right here. You just got to believe. Just ask him into your heart. And so I went through a series of time where I was constantly inviting Jesus into my heart. And I'd say, hey, I, I did it, but nothing happened. And he'd be like, well, that's okay. Just, just wait, you know? And so I'd be like, okay, this time it might work. Okay, <laughs> Jesus, will you come into my heart? And I remember doing this for lots of lots of lots of times. But what, I, what happened was is that God just started to come in, you know? And, um, and so what I want to encourage you all, and I'm going to wrap it up here. What I want to encourage you on is that uh, it is simple, right? Um, and it requires us being faithful, though, because like what Wayne was saying is that you get the butterflies. <laughs> I got the butterflies walking up here, and I know all of you guys, and I'm like, for some reason, I'm nervous, right? But it's, there's something um, holy and to be revered about what you're sharing, too. And so that's okay if you're worried, you know. But let it be, let you be worried about what God thinks, right? And not what the other person thinks. And so let you be worried that you're giving an accurate message about who the God of the universe is. And not how you might look, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then also remember that, it, that it's, we got to be fluent in this. It's, and when I say that, there's no shame in saying it like that. That we've got to be fluent in this. Because that is our calling, right? And if you want to kind of look at this whole thing, I was really looking for significance. I was looking for um, to matter. I really was. I, was. I was wanting to know that, I, that my life mattered and it was for something that was bigger. And what you're doing when you share Jesus with somebody is you're telling them that they matter. Okay? Thank you. Mm, thank you. Hey, can we give him a hand? Huh? The reason why I wanted Kurt to come up and share that is because, did you see a pattern in his story? Somebody invited him to come and see. Years later, hey, come and see. Years later, hey, come and see. And this is my thing. This is what I want to share to you this morning. You are going to be that for somebody along the way in their journey. This invitation to come and see. And along the way, people just kept sharing the word with Kurt, kept sharing their testimony with Kurt, kept inviting him, kept sharing their experience. And along the way, the Lord just continued to grab more and more of Kurt's heart. And that's what I want our call as the church to be. That your story and your testimony matters. 
that we are first invited to come and see, and then we invite to come and see. And so uh, if Eden would come up, we're going to have some ministry time.